It's an important stage in life, pregnancy and the birth of a newborn baby. In British Columbia, more and more people are relying on the expertise of midwives for support during this significant time. I'm Amy Amanti, and welcome to the Midwives Association of BC podcast, where we will keep you, our members, informed about all the latest news and discussions relevant to midwifery in the province of BC. For this, our first episode, we'll dive into the changes in prescribing standards and what that means for registered midwives as responsive and autonomous primary care providers. My name is Jenny. I'm a BC College of Nurses and Midwives policy consultant, and my role is to do policy analysis, and what that means is um, set standards, uh, limits and conditions for BC College of Nurses and Midwives. What we did was we reviewed and we revised the midwifery prescribing medication standards with the goal to really combine and harmonize the four standards um, that midwives had before. So we rescinded those standards and merged them together to form this new standard called Registered Midwives, Medications and Substances, Standards, Limits, and Conditions. So what, um, Jenny, what are the changes in particular? Yeah. So first of all, I think um, what midwives would notice is how it looks. I think the long list of drugs and the accompanying information has been removed and replaced with tables that basically outlines the outer boundaries of what um, a midwife can prescribe and administer. So it outlines the drug categories as per the midwife's regulation and the drug purposes, which the midwife needs to follow. And then the college, uh, BC College of Nurses and Midwives, um, has a third column which uh, lists all the limits and conditions that may or may not apply. So the college is allowed to set further limits and conditions based on the midwives' regulation. So it really reflects the midwives' regulation, which the midwives need to follow, and then we determine further limits and conditions when we think public safety is at risk. The second change is the four existing prescribing standards collapse into one standard. So instead of having four, it's now one. As Jenny mentioned, all the medications in the old standard are included in the new one, resulting in changes that will further empower midwives as primary care providers. We remove limits on the types of sexually transmitted infections that may be treated by midwives uh, with specialized practice certification with the exception of HIV, which remains a limit. But that is big because before the college actually named the certain types of STI that midwives can prescribe for, but now midwives uh, who have the education and are competent can treat all STIs. So I think that's huge. We removed the limit on the specific routes of administration for hormonal contraceptives. So that's another huge win because, you know, there's new drugs that come on the market all the time. We actually removed the limit around Anticoagulants, a big fancy word for blood thinners for the prophylaxis of uh, venous thrombol, the embolism, which is blood clots. Um, and I think that's exciting because this new standard allows midwives in hospital settings to prescribe and administer uh, blood thinners for prophylaxis of uh, blood clots in accordance with hospital guidelines and protocols. So those are some new exciting changes uh, with this scope. And also there are um, changes within each drug category, too, because the college is now not restricting midwives to the list of meds that we have listed. So within each drug category and for the purposes, midwives are now allowed to prescribe uh, within those boundaries. 
Jenny, are there any barriers that you think that midwives will experience with these new standards? I don't think I anticipate any barrier. I think it's more a matter of getting used to uh, functioning from a list-based standard where the midwife needs to follow the standard to the T because um, before, um, basically, the midwife has to prescribe that drug exactly at that dose and within a certain limit for that exact indication. So you cannot even prescribe a drug for maybe perhaps a different indication. Midwives are their primary health care during a very important time, and oftentimes the woman is seeing a, uh, the midwife a lot, and I think um, this loses out on opportunities if midwives are uh, restricted in that way, right? So I think this opens up um, a lot of opportunities for midwives. Hi, my name is Zoe Hodgson and I am a registered midwife and clinical director at the MABC, the Midwives Association of British Columbia. So Zoe, there's going to be an impact of these new standards. Can you maybe share some um, examples of clinical situations? So if you think about a client who has um, worsening nausea and vomiting in pregnancy, um, we might have recommended that they discontinued their iron-containing prenatal vitamins. We might have recommended that they start taking ginger. And we might have recommended they start taking dicleptin as one of the first line medical treatments uh, to help them not feel so dreadful. And then maybe that's not effective. So they might continue to vomit and we might recommend that they start taking metoclopramide. And then after some time on that medication, it still not might not be effective. So usually what we do is we might consult an OB at that time and ask them to consider prescribing Ondansetron. But looking at a resource like the SOGC um, nausea and vomiting algorithm um, and knowing that we can now prescribe Ondansetron um, autonomously, that might be a route that we might like to take. And then when we decide to prescribe Odanzatron, we'd want to make sure that we were aware of some of the things we'd need to take into consideration, such as making sure that the client had no allergies and they needed to stay well hydrated. Um, and then of course, like just remembering the other the other guidelines offered by the college and things like the indications for discussion and consultation to help support us in our prescribing needs. I have a question about the could I versus should I uh, in this example that you share in that there may be unintended consequences of prescribing something. And so how best might a midwife be able to think through that before they prescribe something? So whenever a midwife prescribes, they're always taking into consideration things such as a client's um, allergy history, any other medication a client is currently taking, thinking about drug-drug interactions. Um, with, with some restrictions removed upon our prescribing scope with this change to the standard, there might be some medications that we haven't prescribed before. And so we might want to consider, well, how what do we need to know about that medication before prescribing it? How does that medication interact with uh, any medication that that client's already taking? And what are some things that we may need to consider? Are we, are we in a position where we could manage an allergic reaction, for example? Um, how about some more examples? Have you got some more you can share? So one of the things that a midwife is able to prescribe with the change in the standard is prophylaxis for venous thromboembolism 
or as we know it, a more usually as VTE prophylaxis, I think is, is really burdensome in terms of our need to consult another practitioner and wait for that practitioner to be available. And also problematic because, you know, our client who might benefit from the medication sooner rather than later is also subject to that wait. So this is a medication that midwives are very aware about because we are often running through um, particulars as to whether our client needs to be prescribed this medication and whether we need to consult an OB in order to get this medication. But now, um, with us being able to prescribe it, we run through the same list of things, the same criteria or the same risk factors, but then we're able to prescribe it ourselves, which is which is going to be quite nice in the hospital setting because um, it's going to mean that, that the need for the, the consult is no more as long as the midwife is feeling competent in their ability to prescribe and manage this medication. Of course, the first time the midwife prescribes it, they might want to consult the obstetrician to make sure that the obstetrician is in agreement with the dose or the particular medication they've chosen. So we've got these new standards, Zoe, and now that uh, midwives are able to go ahead and prescribe things differently, can they? Should they just do that? In some situations, yes. In other situations, I think it's important for the midwives to know, particularly for in-hospital prescribing, whether their hospital is set up and ready for them to prescribe a different medication that perhaps the the nurses in the interprofessional team are aware that they are now, now able to prescribe with the change in standard. So for the medications that might have... Uh, a pre-printed order set, uh, previously requiring a consult. Um, is the hospital ready for the midwife to now prescribe that autonomously? So in some situations, I, I think it's important that the midwife checks in with their department head or other midwives or other practitioners in the institution to make sure that the hospital is ready to support their increased prescribing scope. Jenny shares what considerations determine an individual midwife's practice. At the BC College of Nurses and Midwives, um, we have something called the controls on practice. And uh, it's this lovely triangle image. At the bottom of the triangle is your legislation or regulations. But you know, we know that's all dry for midwives. So the college translates that into something hopefully more understandable uh, in our college documents and by setting standards, limits, and conditions. So that's your next layer on your controls and practice. First of all, the government sets what midwife can do, what a midwife is and who their client is. Then the college sets additional limits and conditions if we feel um, public is at risk for this certain activity or the certain activity is more of a risk. Then there's organizational policies that a, a midwife uh, needs to follow. So uh, for example, midwives that work in hospital settings uh, need to have privileging, for example, or follow hospital policies and protocols. And then it comes down to the individual midwife's education and knowledge and skill, and competence. So perhaps maybe you have been a midwife for 20 years, but you haven't practiced a certain skill or you haven't prescribed this drug category before. Uh, you need to assess the situation um, each and every time. And it's very contextual. And it's contextual in a way of you need to assess your patient. What's the situation? What's the care environment you're in? Do you have um, everything around you to keep the person safe? So at the end of the day, it's public safety. So the two questions I think that could help midwives um, understand um, the controls on practice is the first question a midwife sh should ask is, could I? 
could I do this activity? Could I prescribe this drug? Could I administer this drug, dispense this drug, compound this drug? And that's determined by legislation, midwives regulation, the BC College of Nurses and Midwives, uh, organizational hospital policies, Mm -hmm. and individual competence, knowledge. So that's the could I. Another question that's very important is then should I do this? Can I do this safely in this context for this particular situation? Um, Just because I can do it in a certain situation where I'm highly supported, let's say in a hospital setting, maybe it's not appropriate to do it in my clinic where there's no one else around today. For those looking for more information, Jenny shares some of the resources available to support midwives with this transition. Midwives can check out our website. There will be more learning resources, in particularly for this subject, uh, prescribing. So be on the lookout for that. Um, To access that, you need to visit the BC College of Nurses website, uh, go to the Midwives tab, and then go to Learning Resources uh, within the uh, Medications and Substance Standards um, page. And then there's also the Regulatory Practice Consultants, and they're an excellent resources for all college registrants. And what they help uh, with is the application of this new standard of practice and other uh, regulatory policies. So uh, don't be shy. Please reach out to BC College of Nurses and Midwives. We're here to help. And uh, we are accessible by phone or by email. And again, for practice, this is practice at bccnm.ca. Zoe mentions a few more places where midwives can turn to for supporting materials. There's lots of resources to support midwives in their prescribing needs. There's the, the BCRM ref app, um, but there's also the SOGC guidelines, websites such as Bugs and Drugs, uh, the Drugs and Lactation Database or LactMed. The, also the AOM, the Ontario Association of Midwives, also has a very similar app to the BCRM ref app. Um, there's uh, Mother to Baby, um, Infant Risk Centre, Credible Meds, Up to Date and Toxled. So these are just some of the websites I can think of at the top of my head. Uh, many hospitals also have um, pre-printed order sets. Um, and so there's an awful lot of resources to support midwives in, in prescribing medications uh, with which they might not be familiar or um, if they're a new midwife and needing extra support in their prescribing needs. And again, if you're unsure, speak to your colleagues, discuss things, consult an obstetrician um, or, or somebody else, a pharmacist, whoever's available in your community. If there's anything in particular that midwives are unsure how to proceed or how to manage um a particular prescribing need, then definitely um, reach out to the MABC and there's there's lots of potential to hold um, an educational session or a workshop um, to best support you. Overall, Jenny sees a number of positive outcomes from these changes. The main thing is public protection. I think um, now with these lists gone, we are able to keep up uh, more with current evidence. Keeping up with current evidence is always a tough thing to do. And I think without having these lists, um, midwives can seek out current evidence from other sources. And also, like, I think oftentimes we hear about drug shortages. I think this allows midwives to use their own clinical judgment to refer the standards as a guide for their outer boundaries of practice. So as long as they prescribe the drug within the drug category for the purposes, as per the limits and conditions, as uh, the college has said, Um, I mean, they can choose whatever they want. 
And I think that's a huge win. I hope you enjoyed our first podcast. The MABC is proud to bring this podcast to its members. If you like this or found it useful, let us know. Send comments to communications at bcmidwives.com. We appreciate any feedback and look forward to dropping our next episode. And remember, check out the MABC monthly memo and other communications and the BCCNM newsletter to stay up to date with what's happening in midwifery in BC. Until our next episode, I'm your host, Amy Amanti. Have a great day.